You are listening to the Fancy Free Podcast, where my guests and I tell our most embarrassing, funny stories so that we all feel less alone in our imperfections and forge connection through vulnerability and humor. I'm Joanne Jarrett, and I'm your host. And today I have with me someone from all the way on the other side of the globe. I have with me Avery Underwood. She is a nutrition and lifestyle coach who helps people fall in love with themselves, their lives, and food. She's a huge advocate for sustainable living and social activism, and this is weaved into her whole practice, ethos, and platform. Avery, thank you so much for being with me today. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Oh, thank you. What did I miss? Fill in the blanks about who you are and what you do. So I live in Bristol in the UK. I actually grew up in London and you know moved here from London a couple of years ago. So I've been in the UK for about 22 years of my life. It's definitely home for me, but my family is American and all live on the East Coast of the U.S. My mom lives in Connecticut, my dad's in Scarsdale, New York, and my grandparents are in Texas, and my sister's in California, so I'm like the only one over here, really. So they dropped you off in the U.K. and then moved back to the United States? <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Yeah, I spent my last two years of high school in Connecticut and then moved back over here by myself because this is where I grew up and you know, it's just where I feel the most at home. My kind of whole ethos and mission is to get people to really cultivate that inner strength and inner love to be able to take care of themselves totally, fully, and wholeheartedly to be able to show up more authentically in the world. Because I see so much, especially in women, that I think that we're kind of brought up in an environment where we don't feel good enough. And, you know, this is definitely something that mirrors my journey throughout life. And I'm a huge advocate for personal development. And it's something that I have cultivated my whole career around because I just feel so passionately about helping people to, you know, be the best versions of themselves. It's a huge need because we tend to think that we should look a certain way and be a certain way, but there's not a lot of self-love in that, you know? And so if you can take good care of yourself, but do it for the right reasons instead of for appearances sake, that's kind of golden, but we all have a lot of work to do to get there, right? (laughs) Yeah, 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 totally. I also tend to look at kind of like the longest living people on earth as a benchmarker and inspiration for, you know, how we can all live more healthy, happier Mm -hmm. and longer lives. That's weaved into everything that I practice as well. I have an upcoming program that is being launched on the 21st of October, and it's going to be all about the Blue Zones. It's a six-week program. It's going to be talking about all the different commonalities and how you can incorporate that and get cultivating that in your own life so that you can be cultivating your inner happiness, self-love, and self-care right now. So if you follow me on Instagram or Facebook, I will be announcing the six-week program a little bit more in detail with the outlines of the six weeks. So if you are interested in the Blue Zones and about learning more and how you can apply those to your life, then give me a follow. Watch out for that and hopefully see you in the program. I want to talk to you more about that Blue Zones thing. I, f- I find that yeah, so, so fascinating. But first, we're going to do some rapid fire questions to get to know you a little better. What is the strangest name somebody you have met has had? I went to a music festival last year in Bulgaria and me and my boyfriend met this guy called Gash. And I don't know if you know this, but in the UK, Gash is a slang word for vagina. So we had a bit of a laugh about that. (sighs) 
It's actually quite a typical Nigerian name, I think it is. But yeah, it definitely gave us a lot of lols. (laughs) That's so cute. And you know what? My my family calls gas, like gasoline, like petrol that you put in your car, you know? They call it gash because some kid who couldn't pronounce things said it that way and they thought it was cute. So just yesterday, my mother-in-law went and got some gash. Oh, that's so cute. I love that. Oh my gosh. And that reminds me, actually, this is totally off the subject. But when I was young, I used if I'd eaten too much, I would say, Oh, I'm stuffed. And my mom's like, don't say that. And I never really understood why until I got a little older. And she said, Well, I guess they don't call it this anymore. But when I was a teenager, having sex was the sl- a slang for it was getting stuffed. So I don't like you saying that. And I'm like, what? Oh, my God. Yeah, who knew? I had no idea. <laughs> yeah. So oh. I still say it because I'm like, whatever, mom, that, that's done and gone. Nobody <laughs> knows. Okay. What is your home decorating style? I'm kind of like an organized mess type of person. And I definitely like mm. a more lived in feel. So my home inspiration is a lot of kind of like old chic, like cottage styles, like exposed wood and like nice enamel, like bathtubs and like big kitchen sinks and, you know, lovely Mm -hmm. vintage tiles and exposed wood floors and exposed brick and, you know, stuff everywhere. And yeah, that's kind of what I would say. I'm picturing overstuffed chairs and hook rugs and yeah, comfy, cozy. That's what a home should be like. Yes. Okay, what TV show are you hooked on or what has been your favorite binge watch? Over lockdown, I binge watched the whole of Desperate Housewives, which I had never watched <laughs> really? before. Really? I, I haven't watched it either. Have you not? I loved Did it. Did you? Loved okay. It. I'm, I'm going to have to put that on my list. Definitely. And New Girl as well. I've just finished watching uh, New Girl. I love I love a little bit of like comedy sitcom. It's definitely my thing. I love New Girl. It's such a good show. I love it. Who's your favorite character? Oh, I love Nick. I, I I love his humor. I think he's kind of a mess, but I do love his sense of humor. How about you? I think Schmidt is definitely like the most anal and he's just a jokes <laughs> character. I think like nobody's written a character like him before. And I just love all yeah. the diversity on that show. I think that it yes. really hit the nail on the head like 10 years before the whole Black Lives Matter thing really took off. Yes, for sure. I love it too. So, so good. Always makes me laugh out loud every single time. Okay, what is your best feature? I would say that my best feature is my smile. I have a big, wide smile, and you know, it's yeah, it's nice. <laughs> I like it. Awesome. I love. I love a person who's willing to identify their best feature. That's good. You've definitely done some work there. <laughs> I love it. Okay. Well, as you know, one of the points of this podcast is to share our not so fancy moments so that we all feel less alone in our imperfections. Have you got some not so fancy moments so you can tell us about today? There's one in particular that I was thinking about. It's not necessarily PG, so might be worth mentioning. That's okay. Okay, cool. So... (laughs) Many years ago, I worked at a glamping company. Do you know? Do you know about glamping? You mean like glamour camping? Yeah, yeah. And they used to go to different festivals and set up boutique rooms. I did the administration for that company. And every summer I used to get one ticket to a festival and they would give me a free bell tent to stay in. Nice. I picked one. Me and my partner rock up and we had a really good time. Really, really, really good time. Like did not sleep enough. And anyway, Mm. it was... Basically, on the Monday day, they kick you out at about midday. And I don't think that we got to sleep until maybe like 9 a.m. And we hadn't really slept for a lot of the weekend anyway. 
my god basically i woke up it was so hot as well it was about 28 degrees celsius like 85 degrees fahrenheit so we were completely naked in the tent and we woke up with somebody with a megaphone screaming at us way up way up like stark naked like literally like spread eagle and like the door they were literally like facing my nun like honestly like oh my god they're like wake up wake up and I was like I work for the company can't I just sleep they were like no get up get out and I was like oh my god like literally like started gathering all of my stuff like oh but so it turns out basically I thought that I kind of got away with it and then months later my boss who was a, a real creep and had a bit of a thing for me in like a really like weird kind of way he came up to me and was like oh so I heard about what happened at El Dorado festival and I was like oh yeah like we had fun I didn't know that everybody knew what had happened basically and it turns out that this girl who was a project manager was calling my boss because me and my boyfriend wouldn't wake up because we were just so tired and dead out we like weren't waking up to (laughs) the screaming over the megaphone so yeah she called my boss and was like everyone get up and like told her the whole story Ugh, you're kidding i know and then everyone in the office knew and i had no idea and i was like the thought of him picturing me naked and it's as well i was just like oh yeah i know oh. gross awful yeah so yeah so that's my story <laughs> You were just having a good time. I know, right? <laughs> you can't be blamed for thoroughly enjoying your circumstances. Exactly. <laughs> oh, gosh. Uh, oh, you poor thing. Oh, my gosh. Yuck. I have been told, like, in retrospect a few times, definitely not in the last couple decades, but that a superior has had a thing for me. And I never pick up on it. I don't, I think because I just assume, no. like, I just never assume that that would be a thing because it's so inappropriate, you know, and then so-and-so yeah, will be so like five years later, oh, they totally had a thing for you. And I'm like, what? Gross. Yeah, <laughs> I know. It's so gross. Yeah, that's a terrible it's, feeling. I think it's because it feels like the hierarchy of the business, isn't it? Mm-hmm. And when it's kind of, it's almost like a power trip almost. It just makes you feel a bit yucky. Yeah, exactly. Ugh. I don't know, usually creeps side note yeah 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 Yeah. yucky (laughs) (sighs) oh my gosh that's so funny okay well I mean I'm so sorry that happened to you but that is awful (laughs) you live to tell about it (laughs) (laughs) hopefully there wasn't any documentation of that like photographic documentation no no, 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 no. (laughs) thank god I know I just thought it was a funny story before I realized that everyone in my office knew about it and was making fun of me for it. And I was like, you know, well, whatever. <laughs> whatever. Oh, man. <laughs> Live a little, people. Why is that news? <laughs> oh, silly people. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about Blue Zones. I will introduce the topic very poorly, and then you can fill in the blanks. But the one thing I want to tell you about why I'm interested in it is because I used to be a gymnast. And then as an adult, I got really into CrossFit because it sort of reminded me of gymnastics. But then it was so hard on my body, I ended up having to sort of move away from that. And I sort of had a crisis of, okay, what am I actually doing? What are my goals when I exercise? And I thought, you know, they used to be to be toned and fit and strong and look good. But if I'm honest right now in my 40s, my goals are actually to live longer and to be healthy. Th- those are those are like the goals. And so 
I started doing some research as to what type of exercise actually contributes to longevity. And I read about blue zones. And these are zones throughout the globe where people naturally live well longer than our global average lifespan and expectancy. And there are so many intriguing findings when those blue zones are analyzed. And so that's kind of where I'm coming from. How did you get interested in blue zones? And can you tell my listeners what you've learned about them? Yeah, of course. So I first came across the concept of blue zones a few years ago. But then when I was doing my nutrition and lifestyle coaching qualification, we learned about it within the first kind of couple weeks. So with the blue zones, Essentially, there are these five areas of the world where people live well into their hundreds. So they're called centenarians, well above the demographic average of the rest of the world. So there is Loma Linda in California, which are the Seventh-day Adventists live. Then there is Nicoya in Costa Rica, Sardinia in Italy, Icaria in Greece, and Okinawa in Japan. And essentially, these five areas of the world have nine commonalities that Dan Buettner and his team of researchers found to be linked to why these people live so much longer than the rest of the world. I am a huge people person and I love being able to see results through the process of people. The Blue Zones has been criticized by certain scientists for, you know, not being exactly the proper scientific studies. There are certain variables that can like mess up scientific results. I'm just super interested in it because I love people and I I love the elderly. <laughs> I love people who have lived long lives and have such like a rich and deep understanding for the world. And, you know, they've seen so much and I just find it fascinating. Yes, yeah, so they've seen so much change and they've gone through so much and they have such a wonderful perspective on life. So can you tell us what the nine commonalities are? The first one would be this kind of downshift commonality. So what that means is that these five areas, they all have a way of reducing stress in their lives. So they don't have very stressful lives in general. And I think that has a lot to do with the fact if you think about these people, if they've been living to up until their 90s, or, you know, into their hundreds, they were probably born in what 1920. So this is well before technological advances of the modern era. And these five areas of the world bar Loma Linda, which is in California, which is obviously in America, the rest of them, they are kind of like these little pockets where culturally, they're still very traditional and steeped in the traditional ways of their ancestors. For instance, in Icaria, Greece, they take naps consistently almost every day in the afternoon. People who nap consistently have been shown to have a 35% less chance of having cardiovascular disease. And they wow. think that this is to do with the fact that it helps to alleviate stress. The second commonality would be that they all have a, a sense of purpose. So, for example, in Okinawa, Japan, they call it Ikigai. <laughs> so it's spelled I-K-I-G-A-I. And it's basically why they wake up in the morning. The elders in Okinawa, they're kind of looked at as the term respect your elders. That's definitely how they view them in Okinawa is that, you know, they're very respectable members of society where, you know, the older you get, the more wise that you are and have such a good group of friends and their families are all very close to them. And they have this sense of purpose waking up in the morning that, you know, they're there to live another day for their friends and family and to celebrate life and be there in their group and their community, basically. 
And also in Loma Linda, California, they have a similar thing. So because they're Seventh-day Adventists, they're very big into their faith and they have a big kind of like volunteering culture. So even like well into their 90s, certain people will be volunteering and giving back to the community. And this gives them a sense of purpose. I think it's a real shame in the Western world that, you know, you're kind of viewed after 65 or 70 to kind of be past your time and that you should just be retired and sat at home and like relaxing because it really gives people this kind of like sense of loneliness and they don't really know what to do with themselves. I did jury duty several years ago and where I was living at that time, they did not take in anyone over 70 for jury duty. And I thought that is so awful. Oh my God. It's so insulting, isn't it? It is exactly. I have six people right now that live on my property. My, they're all family members. They are all so wise. They're all completely mentally yeah. sharp and they would all be excellent jurors. And I think that yeah. it's such a mistake and such a missed opportunity to not include these people who have the perspective and the wisdom of, of their years. Also, I think it's such an interesting concept to have grandparents homeschooling their grandkids. Oh, wow. There would be so much to that. And I think, again, because of their perspective and their wisdom, their patience, they're not directly responsible for how the kids turn out. But this would be, I think, such a very cool role for them to play in their grandkids' lives. There's a direct correlation between retirement age and death age here in the United States, for men especially. 100%. And I think a big piece of it is feeling like they're not useful. They're not productive. Nobody needs them. They're not being valued by society. Like that's, yes. that's what it's saying to them. You're not valuable anymore. Yes. It doesn't have to be an official role, but somebody can get, you know, a sense of purpose out of many things and many different roles. And I think each culture if, could identify something if they worked hard enough on it and saw the value in it to direct their seniors into something with a sense of purpose. For instance, we're doing this senior lunch tomorrow. Our church is putting it on. It's just a community lunch for the seniors in our community and the different churches. And I think some other philanthropic organizations take turns too. It's not just a church thing. But it's so cute because I am like the youngest church lady and I'm in my 40s. And all of these church ladies that are putting on this lunch tomorrow, they're all seniors. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, you know, they don't really see themselves that way because they're still really active in, in all of this stuff. And they're doing these lunches for people who need to get out and need to interact and need to have home cooked food. And they feel a real sense of purpose just even around that. So anyway, yeah. I, I digress and I go on and on. But OK, so what's number three? No, no, no. But that's literally the case in point, though. It's about, you know, being a part of a community and being a part of something bigger and feeling like you have value and purpose to give back to your community, essentially. And I love that idea about grandparents homeschooling their grandchildren. Mm -hmm. Like that's I think that that's such a lovely idea and sentiment. I think it's such a shame that in Western culture as well, we've kind of grown out of this way of having our kind of parents and grandparents live with us in their old age. And so we just kind of like stuff them into homes like they're inconvenient or something. I think we've got it all wrong. (laughs) We've got it all wrong. You're so right. We live in a really interesting situation here. We all lived in suburbia in Reno, Nevada, all doing our own things, everybody working, whatever. But a couple of years ago, we all moved to rural Montana. So we're living out in the country. We're living on acreage. We live in a house on one side of the driveway. My parents and two aunts live in a house on the other side of the driveway. And then my husband's parents are in the backyard in their RV in the summer. Oh my God, I love that. It is so incredible. And my aunt, my dad's sister, who, who doesn't have children of her own, she helps care for my mom's aunt who's in her 90s. And, and she goes and gives horseback riding lessons and stuff. 
And, you know, she's in her 70s and she's not working, but she has this huge sense of purpose in just helping take care of Aunt Jean. And, you know, Aunt Jean, even though she's in her 90s, like she makes us laugh every time we talk to her. She's hilarious. She's blind and and almost deaf, but she interacts Mm -hmm. with my parents' pets and, you know, she's still sharp and blah, blah. You know, it just goes on and on. There are all these like valuable, rich interactions that occur. My kid, if I'm all talked out and she wants to talk, she can always go find my mom who's a talker. I think you're right. I think we've gotten away from living with extended family. And I know that those relationships can be really challenging, but there's so much benefit to it as well. So yeah, Yeah, I totally agree. So the third commonality is that there is a huge plant slant to all of their diets. It doesn't mean that they're fully vegan, fully plant based, but it does mean that the majority of all of their diets come from plants. So with an emphasis on like whole grains, fresh seasonal produce, fruits, healthy fats, legumes. It's just really kind of seasonal, fresh produce and things that you can find around in the local area with meat being eaten on like very specific occasions. So maybe like once a week. Hmm. I think that this is something that I'm really into as well is eat, I eat a predominantly plant-based diet, not just for the health of myself, but for the health of the planet. So it's interesting that, you know, these centenarians have gotten there based on that is essentially the secret to their diet is that, you know, the majority of their plate is taken up with whole plant-based foods. It's a lot of work though, but that can also be part of their sense of purpose, right? Because you're cultivating or gathering yeah. these fresh food takes up a lot of your time and day and energy. And that could be a really good thing, you know? Totally. So in Okinawa, they do tend to, you know, tend to their own gardens and they have like fresh herbs, like medicinal plants and stuff that so like ginger and turmeric and all the good stuff that is like plant medicine for them. Mm -hmm. And being able to garden and be outside, you know, it's good for the joints and it's good for like bending up and down. So it's all these kind of little activities that aren't going to the gym and exercising, but keep them moving throughout their whole lives. And it's that constant repetitive motion that keeps their bodies supple and able to be doing these movements well into their 90s. So this kind of leads on to one of the next things, which is that one of the commonalities is that all of these five places, they tend to move naturally. So like I said, in Okinawa, they do the gardening. And in Sardinia, one of the main ways that these centenarians the men anyway, one of their professions is that they're shepherds. So they walk like five miles a day, well into their 90s. And it's because they've been doing this constantly, their bodies are used to it. It's only when you decide at a certain age, let's say you get to 60, and you're kind of like, right, I've retired, I'm just gonna sit on the couch all day, your muscles will actually start to deteriorate. And that's when your Mm -hmm. bones as well become more brittle, because you're not actually using them Moving naturally is a big thing. And I think that's something that I encourage my clients to do more of is that instead of waking up in the morning, getting in your car, going to work, sitting at a desk for eight hours, getting in your car again, sitting on the sofa, but then going to the gym for half an hour, why not incorporate more little ways to move naturally throughout the day? So this is actually called NEAT exercise. So it's non-exercise activity thermogenesis. So it's everything that you do in the day that burns calories that isn't actually formal exercise. So Mm. even standing up to cook a meal, you burn 150 calories doing that. If you stand up and cook a meal for half an hour, or you walk up and down the stairs instead of taking the elevator, or you get up and walk around every 25 minutes of the working day, just to keep you moving naturally. I think that that's such a more fulfilling and 
healthy way of incorporating exercise into your daily life rather than just like hammering at the gym. I love it. I am. Yes, I hear you. I love that. I think that's so much more sustainable. Definitely. And it's nice because, you know, I don't I don't know how other people work. But I know for me, if I'm sat at a desk for too long, like my head gets really cloudy. And like, you know, my posture feels really bad. As humans, we're not designed to sit down for that long in the day. And I would rather kind of get up and move around, get the blood flowing and go outside and have some fresh air. One of the other interesting commonalities between a lot of these places is that wine in moderation and drinking in moderation is actually something that showed up in Loma Linda, California. The Seventh-day Adventists, they don't drink. So they're the only ones that are strictly no alcohol. But in Sardinia and Icaria, they actually drink probably between like one to two glasses of wine a day. But the trick is, is that they always do it with friends. So it's like a social occasion Mm. and they go out at the end of the day and it's relaxing and it relieves stress. And also the wine that they produce there is quite intense wine. I can't remember the name of it now, but it's got like three times the amount of antioxidants like regular Mm. wine you would buy in the shelf because of the beautiful rich soil that cultivates these grapes. I love that because I I love a glass of wine myself. And Mm -hmm. as long as I'm with friends and, you know, you have a glass of wine and it's all in good humor and you're laughing and having fun and it's for the right reasons. Like, you know, these guys live to 100. So I'm just saying. Mm -hmm. Can't be wrong. All right. What's the next commonality? Family comes first. So they have very, very, very strong connections to their families So like I was saying about the grandparents being really integral into not only the children's life, but the grandchildren's and the great grandchildren's, you know, they're kind of seen as a really central part of the family unit. And, you know, they see their families almost every day. And Mm -hmm. yeah, that's a really big one for them just being able to connect and be with one another. And that leads on to another one of the commonalities is having a good tribe of people around you that you can easily connect with and laugh with and, you know, go for wine with, etc. And then Mm -hmm. the next one also kind of leads on to connection as well, which is that they all kind of have a sense of belonging to a certain kind of faith or spirituality, which kind of gives them a deep rooted sense of connection to not only the people around them in their community, but also to the higher power and to nature and makes them really appreciative of the beautiful gift of life and the beautiful gift of food and the beauty of everything really. So yeah, that's all nine. Awesome. I just love it. I just think it's so nice and wholesome. Like when you look at it and Mm -hmm. you're like, oh yes, like this is the answer to life. It sounds quite frivolous. There's not a bad thing in the list. It's all good. It's like, yeah, bring it on. I'll live that way for sure. I've done a little bit of reading about it too. And I remember, and I'm I'm not going to remember what village or what it is, but the village is like straight up hill or something. So they walk and do their shopping and they have- In Sardinia, yeah. So they literally, some of yeah. these people, they live at like the top of the hill and they will literally like walk all the way down a hill for maybe like half an hour to get to a bar, go have a glass of wine, go and get their shopping, walk back up the hill. Recently, me and my partner, we were in Corfu. Oh, we just got back like five days ago. It was amazing. In Greece, we were staying in this little village up in the hills and it was very similar and it reminded me a lot of the blue zones actually because we were probably the only 20 something westerners within 
Cinerati's that's where we were staying and the locals the first day they were all really skeptical of us because I think they're a bit like no we don't want tourists in our tiny town get out of here <laughs> it was so hilly and honestly these women they're probably 90 or so years old like walking with like huge pails of water like loads of shopping and just walking up these hills like nobody's business it was amazing to wow see. that is inspiring yeah. and incredible I know it's so cool it just goes to show that if you keep it up and you, you know, you have the will to be able to move naturally and build your community and like keep in good spirits that, you know, you could, you could live a longer, happier life. It's nice. I definitely want to live long. I, I'm not afraid of dying, but I, I'm afraid of missing life because I love my life so much and I love my family so much. I agree. Yeah. It's time to talk about life hacks. Do you have a quick life hack you think that listeners would enjoy? Yeah. So I am a huge crier when I cut onions. I think it's quite a quite a big thing. But anyway, I'm I'm awful. Like honestly, like one cut of an onion and I'm like crying, streaming, and I can't be in the kitchen. It really hurts my eyes. So apparently all the bit that actually makes you cry is in, you know how there's like one bit that has like all the little kind of hair on it almost? the one side mm-hmm. so yeah. that's the bit where all of the acid lives in so when you chop that that's what actually makes you cry so if you kind of cut a little cone around it and <gasps> pick it out you can cut it and you don't cry what this is that's lo- th- that I is know. incredible <laughs> it's a game changer and for me i wear onion goggles because they work really well for me they fit my face but they don't uh, fit my husband's face that's awesome Okay, cut the cone of the hairy part of the onion out. I love it. Okay, that is super, super useful. Oh my gosh, this has been a lot of fun talking to you. I just, I think I could just talk to you all day about the Blue Zone thing. That's so fascinating. Well, tell my listeners where they can find you and also tell them what you have coming up that they might be interested in. You can find me on Instagram at The Colorful Coach and it's spelled colorful with the English spelling. So T-H-E- C-O-L-O-U-R-F-U-L coach. And it's the same on Facebook. My website is my name. So averyunderwood.com. But you can find that if you go to my Instagram and Facebook and just click through there. I have an upcoming program that is being launched on the 21st of October. And it's going to be all about the blue zones. It's a six week program. It's going to be talking about all the different commonalities and how you can incorporate that and get cultivating that in your own life so that you can be cultivating your inner happiness, self-love and self-care right now so that you can live happier and healthier life. So if you follow me on Instagram or Facebook, I will be announcing the six-week program a little bit more in detail with the outlines of the six weeks. So if you are interested in the blue zones and about learning more and how you can apply those to your life, then give me a follow watch out for that and hopefully see you in the program. Perfect. Awesome. All right, Avery, thank you so much for talking to me today. It's been so nice. Thanks, Joanne. It's been really great. Thank you so much for listening to the Fancy Free Podcast. Make sure to check out the show notes for today's episode at fancyfreepodcast.com to get all the links we discussed today. Make sure you subscribe to the show so that new episodes pop into your feed each week. If you want more connection, laughter, and sharing, join our fancy-free Facebook group. It's so much fun. It's our private little slice of the internet. 
All right. Have a great week. And remember, no one is as fancy as they look.